Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. To the Word, Luke chapter two. Amen. Is it okay? We have fun in the church. My, my hands are like cold. I know. Praise God. And I like the cold. Anyways, Lord, send your fire. Literally, <laughs> Luke chapter two. Are you ready? Get your Bibles. Get your tablet. If you are going to use your tablet or phone, make sure you're quoting scriptures, not playing games or on Facebook and stuff. Let's honor the Lord while we are in the house of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? Now, I'm going to share a, 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 a story that's very popular in this Advent season, but with a prophetic edge. Because as I was studying, I really felt the Lord really highlight prophetically, symbolically, some things that we need to take in this season for our lives now. Say now. Because the, the Spirit of the Lord uh, is the, the, the testimony of Jesus' is the Spirit of prophecy. And so uh, I want to I title this, if I had a title, uh, Preparing Our Hearts for the King. Now, Luke chapter 2, verse uh, 1. And let's, let's go there. Very popular. If you're there, say amen. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Cornelius was governing Syria. I want you to hear this. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Now watch. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed, listen to me carefully, for her to be delivered. Now everyone knows to be delivered from what? Not to be delivered from uh, oppression. That word delivered means to give birth. And she was there to give birth to the Son of the living God. Now, I want you to harp on this next verse because this is prophetic and, in, and unfortunately a very sad indictment back then. And it's a sad indictment to, to the American church right now. And she brought forth, oh, Holy Spirit, listen. And she brought forth her firstborn son, Jesus, the son of the living God, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Now, we all know that's a really good Christmas story, right? Look at the next sentence. Because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for the creator of the world in the inn. The creator of the world came to invade the earth, and there was no room in the inn. Everybody say inn. That inn is a lodging place. That inn is a, a resting place. It's uh, like a modern-day hotel, what we would call it. But here is a picture where the Savior of the universe is coming. And even while he was in the womb and getting ready to be uh, manifested on the earth, there was no room for God in the end. My, my, my prayer this morning from a prophetic angle is, are we making room in the end of our lives, in the end of our minds, the end of our hearts? Are we making room this season for more of Jesus? Now, of course... If you continue, it's a, it's a famous Christmas story that uh, re-celebrates. Let's just keep on reading that and really, really quick. Uh, verse 8. And sh so she brought forth her son and wrapped him in... Okay, verse 8, uh, back there. And it came to pass in those days that the decree uh, went out and, uh, to keep on watching their flock by night. Verse 9. 
I'll just, I'll just read it. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, glory to God. Someone say amen. Of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. Even the angels acknowledge they were in the room. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. I don't have time to unpack all that. But do you realize the manger was the leftover, the, th- the, the kind of uh, dirty place, the kind of leftover place. And I believe uh, symbolically and prophetically speaking today, uh, we need to tackle this issue of preparing our hearts for the king. All right. Are we making room in the busyness of our lives in this Christmas season for more of God in your life? You can say amen. Are we really making preparations, intentional preparations to make room? Or are we so full with things in our life that we have to reserve the king to a spiritual manger, a spiritual side room, a spiritual other place in our lives? Is he truly number one in our lives? And so 2,000 years ago, the greatest, and I mean the greatest event of all of history took place in this story where the Lord God himself left his home in glory to abide as a fully man and fully God on the earth. But yet when he came, his creation not only just didn't reject him, not only didn't recognize him, didn't have room for him. Come on, this is good. He did, they, it didn't just that they didn't recognize him. It's not that just he rejected the gospel message. We know that later in the gospels. But they had no room for him from the very beginning. Thousands of years ago, major prophets and major leaders, practically almost all in the, New, in the Old Testament, prophesied that one day the Messiah would come to dwell on earth. For humanity's sake, to offer eternal salvation, watch, to, uh, to change history as we know it, yet they weren't prepared for this. I want you to see the significance of what I'm talking about this morning. The greatest event of all of history, and it was reserved to a side place outside when the Son of God was born. You would think the Son of God would have the greatest royal treatment. Now, yes, that's part of the plan of humility, but prophetically speaking, I believe that in our modern day, the end that I'm talking about is your heart and your mind and your life. That's what I'm talking about this morning. And that's the, the, the reason why I'm coming to this message for is, and I want you to put that first slide up, Zach. In this Christmas season, let us make time to prepare for the coming of Jesus at the end of our lives. The end of our lives. Just as there was no room in the inn when Jesus was born, my question to RCC, our spiritual com- community that we love so much, is there room in your life for more of God? Let's just don't answer. Think about what I'm saying. Evaluate your schedule. Evaluate your, your time, which is very important. Here, I like, to, I like to call this like a spiritual bookshelf. Our life is like a spiritual bookshelf. You, mean, you say, well, what do you mean, Pastor George? Hear me when I say this. We have shelves that are filled with books in our house, right? Sometimes to capacity. And we fill them up and fill them up through time. And most of these books are very important to us. If not, we wouldn't have them in the shelves, right? So they're, they're books that are in our shelves. But here's the problem. We get to a place where we can no longer 
hold any other book, not because we don't want to, because it's full to capacity. Hear me what I'm saying. Our lives is like filled with books. Those books are our jobs, our family, our resources, our ministry, our giftings. Those books are our passions, our ideas. Those things are mostly good things. But what I'm saying is that sometimes our lives is filled with many good things, but it is really not making room for the best thing. The best instrument or the best person, the best book, so to speak, spiritually, that God is trying to put in your shelf is the person of Jesus, but he can't because we haven't prepared enough to make room for more of Jesus in the shelves of our heart or the shelves of our mind. Because we are so consumed, we must intentionally prepare for more of Jesus. That's why John says, one of my favorite verses, John 3.30, it says, I must decrease and he must increase. We must decrease and evaluate and prepare. Everybody say prepare. This whole message is about intentional preparation. If you look at the Old Testament saints and even the early church, they valued preparation highly. I'm going to talk about different kinds of preparation because here, I want you to hear me with a prophetic angle here. When Jesus desires to come to you and reveal himself more to you, he comes to, are you ready? Are you ready? To people who have prepared themselves intentionally to go after him. If you look at the tabernacle, everything was prepared for God to come. There was an order of preparation that the priest had to go through to get to the Holy of Holies. It didn't just walk in there happenstance. There has to be, you have to make adjustments and shifts in your life to make room for Jesus. If not, we will repeat the story of 2,000 years ago where Jesus is coming, wanting to give you something specific, but we have no more room. It's not that we don't love God. It's just we don't have room for him. What a sad indictment it is when the church who loves God no longer has room for the fullness of God. We, we, we need to empty out the shelf of some of the things that we deem important to make room for the most important. If you have great books and don't have the greatest book in there, you're missing everything. Can I hear an amen? And so preparation is a two-way street, okay? God, spiritually, is in the kitchen preparing something for you to, and I to eat as his, at his table. The, the Bible in Psalms says, I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. So preparation is a two-way street. Jesus is in the kitchen, spiritual kitchen, preparing something for you and I. But it's up to us to stop what we're doing to go up and eat at his table. Listen, listen, I'm going to preach a little bit. I know that sounds kind of funny. But when in my house, when we, actually, let me just pause and say this. We, I'm going to say something real deep now, especially this generation. Are you ready? This is going to be real deep. You're going to be like, whoa. And my house, my wife and I and my kids, are you ready? We eat at the dinner table together. <gasps> See, so, so, some young people are like, what is that? <laughs> We're so used to, oh, I'll grab my food and I'll go to my, my room, I'll grab my food. Listen, when, my, when Mama Bear cooks food 
in my house, and she says, dinner is ready. The first thing that we all boys do, we stop our television. The TV is gone. The cell phone is there, is, is left there, and the games are turned off. And if we are more than a minute or two late in responding, it's communicating to my wife that her hard work time preparing the food is not worthy enough for us. I'm telling you, when Mama Bear says, dinner's ready, turn that off. You better turn that off. If we just, oh, come on, come on. What we're doing is communicating that what you cooked and took time to do is not worthy enough for me to go there. I'm telling you, God is preparing his bride to, to bring his bride his presence. And we're too busy with other things and we have no room in the inn. You, you and I has to get to the place of preparedness. Say preparedness. We have to prepare for the king. What are you doing to prepare yourself in 2018 for more of Jesus in your life? Let that sink in. What are you doing? What are you eliminating? What are you uh, identifying that is consuming your time that you need more of Jesus for and you need to replace those things with? I said last week, sometimes our, our, what is very good can become an idol. Not all the time, but can become an idol. Some of the things that are good in your life, if they're taking the place of Jesus, number one, I don't care how good that is, that's an enemy to, to the, Lord's, the lordship of Jesus in your life. That was a good place to say amen. As good as Christian friends are, if they are above your, if you go to them first before you go to God, that's an idol. As far as, as great as family is, if, if, you, if your first thought when the problem comes is to run to your family versus running to God, then there's something out of order. Look at the next slide. The king is looking for a bride that has prepared herself and made room to meet him. The king is looking for a bride that has prepared herself and made room to meet him. We see that in the book of Revelation, but we need to see that now preparation, I have an announcement to make, it's not just for the by and by. It's not just until we get to heaven. It's not just when Jesus comes. Preparation is now. Now. We need to prepare in our lives now for more of Jesus in our lives, which means evaluating the busy fluff that we have and sometimes eliminating that. And so intentional preparation, watch this, and consecration to make room for the Lord in your life will result in great blessing in your life and great favor. I'm going to say that again. Intentional preparation and consecration in this season coming up for more of Jesus in your life will result in great blessing and favor in your life. You say, how? Let me give you a little bit of a background to some stories here about preparation. In the scriptures, we find um, a, a powerful story on preparation in the book of Esther. And I'm going to go there in a second. But I want to, I want to give you a, 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 a very powerful prophetic um, reality of what it takes to prepare. You said, okay, that's fine. Prepare. Prepare how? I'm going to, I believe the Lord showed me a little bit of how we prepare by just looking at the, at, um, at the story of Esther. Now, everybody knows the part when Esther came uh, before the king when she was already queen. But most people don't talk about what happened before she became queen. She just didn't wake up one day being a queen and the favor of God was on her. Do you realize the favor of God came on her because she was intentional in a preparation process? 
So what the story goes is that this, this king named Xerxes, can you imagine naming the, your boy that? Xerxes, what up, Xerxes? Xerxes, Xerxes with an X, he was upset with his wife Vashti because Vashti did not show up to a banquet that he was calling. He said, I want Vashti to come. And she goes, I have no time for that. I don't want to go before him because he just want to show me off in front of people. And the king, Xerxes, got mad. And Esther, you know what, she, you know what he did? He banned her from ever being his wife again, banned her because she, he, he wasn't obedient to the king. And that set up the stage for the greatest Miss Universe pageant in all of history. It's true. A decree went out and says, you know what? I'm going to find me a, a wife that honors me. And so he had all his top assistants look out for the top women of the land. Not, not of the town. Of the land. And there were specific qualifications that he was looking for. And out of hundreds of people, eventually he would choose one. But I want you to see the intense preparation that Esther, eventually that was chosen, had to go through. For one meeting with the king. Oh, come on. The Bible says that Esther, when he, she was chosen of, out of many of them, out of many hundreds of the hundreds, right, to kind of uh, represent the possibility of the king choosing a bride for himself, there was intense, purposeful preparation from Esther. Listen, Esther just didn't have just the favor of God on her. Yes, we know that. But there was something that she did that caused the favor of God to be magnified and push her forward to the king. It was, are you ready? Her preparation. One year of preparation for one night with the king. What? One year. One year. Some of us can't even stand five minutes of preparation or, or, or adjusting things in our life. Some of us can't even, even say, okay, one day I'm going to fast. Oh, boy, fasting kills your flesh. And you know how, let me give you a little tip. You know how it's something from God when your flesh is squirming. And you know, maybe this is God trying to kill this thing. But we, in the American church, we barely fast anymore. Fasting is putting a demand on God saying, I value you more than food. See, no one said amen to that. <laughs> like, I ain't going up my hot wings. Shoot. I'll still pray, but I'm not. No, no, watch, watch. Watch this now. While this nationwide search began for one wife for the king, only the top women were chosen. And Esther was the, the cousin, uh, the, uh, the, the other cousin of, the, of, of Mordecai. Mordecai adopted uh, Esther, became like an uncle to her, but like also a spiritual father to her when her parents died. And so, so watch this. I want you to look at Esther chapter 2, verse 12. This is good. Now remember, we're talking about there was no room at the end because of lack of preparation. I want to prophetically encourage you to intentionally prepare for more of Jesus in 2018. What does that mean for you? Only you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight some possibilities. And while I highlight them, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I need you to realize this. E okay, Esther chapter 2, verse 12. Look at this. I want you to see this. And then we're going to break something down very prophetically. All right? Say amen. Verse 12 in chapter 2 of Esther, if you're there, say amen. Each young woman's turn came to, king, to the king's Xerxes. Now, uh, that word, Ahasuerus, man, Asuerus, uh, that. 
It's, a, it's the same translation for the word Xerxes. So if you look at, just so you know, so when I say Xerxes, if you look at other translations, the Old King James and even the NLT, the word Hasuris uh, is also the same Hebrew word for Xerxes, okay? So for the sake of, of me not trying to pronounce that name, I'm going to say Xerxes, all right? So when it came time for the women to come to Xerxes, after she has completed, watch this, guys, watch this. Say this in your, in your own language of 2017. After she completed 12 months of preparations. Oh, come on. Watch this. According to the regulation for the women, for thus were the days of their preparation. Now, I want you to read this slowly because it's, I, I used to read this fast all the time, but the Lord says, no, there's a significance why there was this specific preparation prophetically. Six months of oil of myrrh. Say myrrh. Say myrrh. Myrrh. I just like how that sounds. And six months of perfume and preparations. Okay, watch. Six months. Think about this, guys. Think of how busy our life is. Most of them don't have time. Some of you girls are like, oh, that, I would love that. Yeah, it would be good for about like, two, three days, but then you're like antsy and like, I want to do something. I need to get out. I, need to do, I can't prepare all this long. Six months dipped in oil of myrrh. Six months every day in myrrh. Every day, every day. And then another six months, bathe, I mean, she was suffering for Jesus, right? <laughs> Women are like, I want that. Now watch. Why is this important to you and I? Because they had to go to this intense preparation before, before, before she even had a chance to meet the king. It was because of these preparations that had to happen so that the king would then decide after the preparation who he would choose. Six months with perfumes and perfume for beautifying women. Thus prepared each woman sent to the king, and she was given whatever she desired to take for her from the women's quarters to the king's palace. Jump down to verse 15. Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king's quarters, she requested nothing but Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women advised, and Esther, watch this, obtained, come on, say favor. Say that again. Uh, Esther, obtained. Do you see the connection of preparation and favor? When you make room for the Lord and you're obedient, and listen, watch. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to the king Xerxes into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther, watch this, more than all the other women. And she obtained grace and favor in the king's sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Esther is a prophetic, symbolic symbolism of the bride of Christ today. And King Xerxes is a prophetic symbolism, not in his character, a prophetic symbolism of the Lord Jesus looking for a bride. The Lord is looking for a bride that has prepared herself for his coming. Do you know that the Lord is coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle? Uh, can I just say something, uh, and I may get in trouble in this, one of the only descriptions that the Bible says that Jesus is coming for is not, uh, is not, um, not a relevant church, not a community church. It's a praying church and a holy church. 
There's no other description given in Scripture by which Jesus is coming back for what that type of bride. The, the type of bride that Jesus is coming for is not just a relevant church. It's not even a community church. It's not even a healing church. It's not even a preaching church. It's not an evangelism church. It's not a discipleship church. It's a holy church. It's a praying church. But that requires preparation. It requires intentionally Doing things that rub your flesh the wrong way so that your flesh could be crucified. Intentionally going after Jesus so that you could have less of you and all of him. And so Esther had to go through one whole year of oil of myrrh, six months, and perfumes just to meet the king. Now, I, I wrote this down because I want to highlight the oil of myrrh. When I was studying, I felt the Holy Spirit. I asked the Lord, why myrrh? Why in everywhere in Scripture, myrrh? Why is it, why is it, uh, was it in the New Testament, the Old Testament? Why is it that the famous story when the three kings came and presented gifts, they gave them what? Frankincense and myrrh. So there is, it's, it's a, oh, I feel the Lord. It's a, there's something prophetic about that that the Lord wants us to hear if you have hearing ears. Are you ready? Watch this prophetically. The purpose and symbolism for the oil of myrrh, number one. Let's put that slide up there, guys. The oil of myrrh, the first symbolism and the reason for myrrh is, number one, it was the, oh, this is good, the main ingredient for the holy anointing oil. <laughs> there was a mixture in the Old Testament that the, that the holy anointing oil, which was used to smear and consecrate uh, certain articles of the tabernacle and, and, the, and the articles and, the, and pretty much all the tent of meeting. And, and, and even was, uh, the oil was used to, watch this, separate and consecrate kings. Every time there was a king, there was anointing oil on there. So the main ingredient for the anointing oil, now this is symbolic for our lives of consecration and separation from the world. <laughs> you say, Pastor George, how do I prepare? I'm telling you right now, oil of myrrh was used to bring a, separ a distinct separation. Oh, God. Can I just preach for a second? We can't sometimes distinguish who's a Christian and who's a worldly person nowadays. There needs to be a separation a distinction between a man of God and a woman of God and a worldly person. Do we love the worldly person? Yes, but we need to look a lot different than them. I got three amens. What is part of your preparation in this 2018 to make room for in the end of your heart? The first preparation, which is the oil of myrrh. Now, now remember, Esther did this for six months. I believe this is something that happened to her. In the physical realm and in the spiritual realm is happening to us. There's a distinct, watch this, separation. Watch, that's why the favor of God was hurt. Because you need, you and I need to consecrate. Number one, in 2018, we need to consecrate ourselves from the entanglements of the world. God is still in the business of holiness. So what does Satan do if he knows that Jesus is coming back for a praying church and a holy church? He'll make holiness look like, he'll raise up, he'll raise up preachers that beat sheep up with, with a false message of condemnation and make holiness look bad. Oh, I'm preaching good here. But holiness is the most beautiful thing outside of the name of Jesus. 
Do you know that, that I was just meditating this in the other days, not even in my notes, when Paul said my favorite prayer, I almost cry every time I, I read it. When Paul, at the end of his life, he's about to get the guillotine on his head, and he's about to be martyred for Jesus, he said, the time has come. Watch. He said, uh, the time has come, and, 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 and my time of departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have, I've, I've run the race. I have kept the faith. You know what he says afterwards? Now, therefore, lays up a crown of righteousness. For me, not only me, but for all who love his appearing. Not a crown of discipleship teaching. Not a crown of how many people you got saved. A crown of righteousness. Even his crown is defined by holiness. We, I feel the Holy Spirit here, must prepare like Esther in the oil of myrrh when it comes to eliminating worldliness. I know that's not going to get a lot of amens, but if you're going to thank me later, trust me. I'm still, I'm still very honored to be a preacher that's not afraid to teach and speak on repentance. We got too many churches here now that make us feel good, and I'm glad for that. Without ever mentioning repentance is beautiful. We make it condemning, but repentance is beautiful because it's making our, our adjustments matter. That's how you prepare, is you say, you know what, am I gossiping too much? Let me repent for this. Am I, am I, am I listening to, to too many carnal music and influence out there? Let me repent for this. Not to condemn you, but to highlight something. I want more of you. Some of us are, 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 are satisfied with shallow water Christianity because you're just doing the bare minimum to get by. God wants you to make room in the end of your heart. Can I hear an amen? I'm preaching better than you say an amen this morning. So that's number one for myrrh. All right? The second, oh, this is so good. The second reason for myrrh, this is not just prophetic, the real reason for myrrh, look it up there, is embalming. Now, what is embalming? Is it a treatment to prevent, oh, this is going to preach good for you. To prevent dead bodies from decaying too fast. You know what this is symbolic from? This is symbolic in our lives for living a crucified life and daily dying to our flesh. Now, the oil of myrrh was used to literally slow down or stop death. So there's a symbolism here, decay. There's a symbolism here. When she prepared herself in oil... For six months, what she was saying prophetically is, I am willing to die to my fleshly desires. I am willing to die to the things that are stinking in the sight of God, and I want to honor God. Therefore, even if it hurts, I'm going to, watch this, not only consecrate myself, but I'm going to live a crucified life for Jesus. Come on. Okay, you don't believe me? Look at Paul the Apostle who wrote, who wrote a third of the New Testament, the inspiration of God, of the Holy Spirit. You know what he says? I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith for the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you crucified with Christ? That is a, that's a, that's a deep statement to say. Or are you still very much alive in our flesh? I'm preaching to myself here. I'm asking you, if you're going to make room for Jesus, the oil of myrrh prophetically 
is consecrating yourself. Come on, it's time to get consecrated. You know, look at me. We have limited consecration to not dating for six months. We've limited consecration to like, I'm on consecration. What does that mean? Oh, I, I, I ain't going to flirt with somebody for six months. I'm consecrating. Consecration is more than not having a boyfriend for six months or a year. Consecration is more than not just, not, not just uh, uh, no, no. Consecration is a lifestyle. Not perfection is a lifestyle. You're saying, Lord, I want to show you that this is not more important than you. That th- this, this person right here or this influence or this book or this music is not more important. Oh, Pastor George, you're just religious. No, I am not. Stop calling religious what God calls holy. That may sound old school to you, but it's true. God is after holiness. So that preparation that I'm talking about is what Esther went. Six months. Imagine, guys. Some of you would die. You would die if you didn't have some of the worldly things that you have right now. I'm not saying not to enjoy things, but don't let those things have you. God doesn't mind having you things. He minds things having you. So the second thing was embalming. And you know how I know this? Because I did a study. Many, many theologians agree when the, the story that I gave in worship, the worship time was actually another a story because this, this person did it at his feet. But there was another one that came when Jesus was, was in a, the same room and his, now his disciples were there. And all of a sudden his disciples were there and this woman who was desperate came. Watch this. This is key. Are you ready for this? I'm, I'm going to preach here. Broke the alabaster uh, box, which was very uh, held oil. And many people say that that fragrant oil, because the Bible says fragrant oil, the predominant ingredient in that uh, fragrant oil was myrrh. Why, what, now, why do I say that? Because she poured this expensive oil that she had probably prepared all her lifetime to have this mount. Poured it on his head. And you know what the great Holy Ghost-filled disciples said? Those faith-filled disciples, what's wrong with this girl? She could have used it. Look at this religious answer. We could have gave this to the poor. We could, that's, what, that's what they said. We, we could have done. What is this waste? You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you criticize her? She, watch this. Watch this. This is key. She's doing this for my burial. That's what, she, that's what he said. Look it up. In, 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 in Matthew, he said, she poured oil over my head for my burial. In other words, he knew that myrrh was a prophetic incident that was preparing him for his crucifixion, his death. You want to prepare? Die. Die to your propensity to get offended. Die to your propensity to, to be critical. Die to your propensity to be worldly. Die to your propensity to, to, to make excuses. Die. You know what Paul the Apostle says? I die daily. I die daily. Yet he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, yet he dies daily. You want to prepare? God says die. Why, why die? Not to glorify death. It's because after every death, there's a resurrection. But you can't have resurrection without death. You can't. We want to skip the death process and go to the resurrection. But Jesus had to die and experience resurrection. And you have to die too. You know what John 12 says? If a seed dies on the ground, it's alone. But when it dies, it yields much fruit. The second preparation for six months was the death process. That's what was happening. That was in the physical, certain... Um, toxins of Esther's body were being killed. Come on! 
Literally, in the physical, there were toxins and things that were in uh, the skin and the fabric of Esther that were dying in a good way because it was being consumed by oil. If I had time, I could preach the oil of the Holy Spirit needs to be back in our lives. You know what the third symbolism of oil of burn was? Look at this. It was sweet-smelling perfume or fragrance. So oil of myrrh was number one. It was used to consecrate, right? Anointing oil, to consecrate kings, to separate things for the purposes of God. Number two, it was used for symbolically to prepare for death, dying. Are you with me? And third, it was used as a perfume. Myrrh was actually used as a fragrance. Like we go, like you ladies go to Victoria's Secret or we go, I don't even know where I go, to Kohl's. Walgreens, I don't know, Ross. Yeah, and we get like, I, and I get, uh, what's that, what's that cologne I get? Uh, chrome. So I get chrome, right? And I, and I, I, and I, I don't sprinkle it. I pour a lot of it on it. I mean, and I just really smell good. And they're like, oh, you smell good. And, and, and here's what they say. They say, what's, what's that? And I usually say, well, it's chrome. You know, it's chrome. You know what starts happening with the, the symbolism of here, the symbolism of the fragrance is to live in God's presence intentionally every day through worship and devotion. Listen, that's how you get the perfume of God on you is when you live in the presence of God. And people will say, man, you, you smell good. I looked, You look different today. You smell different today. What's that perfume called? You're like, the presence. It's, like, it's, the, it's just it's, it's just a presence. You know what I mean? Where can you buy that? No, no, no. You can't buy that anywhere. You got to spend time in his presence to get that fragrance. Do you know that the Bible says we are the fragrance of Christ? Oh, you don't, you're not hearing me. Zach, put that Corinthians scripture up there so, so that, I, that I gave you. Uh, that, that, that the scripture in Corinthians. Look, look, look at this. I want you to look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses, watch, come on, shout at me, the what? The fragrance of his knowledge, watch this, in every place. Look at the next verse, look at this. For we are to God, the fragrance of Christ, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Did you hear what I just said? We are the fragrance of Christ. We're the, fra- we're the perfume. You know how you get the perfume? Get in his presence, and that presence of God. Live in his presence, it will attach itself on you. But if we're so busy, we're so hurt, we're so uh, busy doing some other things. I need the worship team to come up here, please. If our worship, the worship team can come up. Then the perfume or the fragrance that's supposed to be in our lives will be short-lived. Here's my question to all of you. What are you doing intentionally? Hear me. This is going to be really good. To get the fragrance on you. You, you hear I'm going to say something that's a little bit controversial here. Everyone loves God. There's a difference between loving God and intentionally going after Him. Because there's a lot of people in this room that love God, but are we intentionally going after the presence of God? Moses saw miracles. He saw the Red Sea split. That wasn't enough for him. He goes, show me your glory. And then when he was commanded to go to Pharaoh, he goes, unless your presence goes with me, I'm not going to go. It's a sad indictment that many of us go in life without the presence of God, without seeking His presence. His presence changes you. 
It's not just a goosebump feeling. It's you communing with God. And he releases the fragrance to the point where other people will say, there's something different about you that I want that peace. When all hell is breaking loose in your life, there's something about your face. There's something about your smile that I can't get my hands on. What are you doing? You, you know what you're doing? You're preparing yourself. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? You're preparing yourself for the king. Say the king. Say the king. You know what I love about this story? You're going to love this, guys. Although at that time, could you imagine? Let's just, let's, listen, listen. Let's take the religious mask off, and let's just really physically examine how Esther must have looked like after a year of this. Every day. 365 days. Mur. 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 And then another six months, like pedicure. Well, pedicure is this, right? Yeah. Pedicure, manicure. <laughs> Perfume. Per- I mean, imagine, guys, ladies, imagine this dream world for you. If someone said a whole year, all you're going to do is every day of your life, you're going to be dipped in oil of myrrh, and people are going to do your hair, and you're going to have seven servants all, and just per- spraying perfume all, you, all day. And you're just going to walk around. <laughs> I can show you the world. <laughs> so, so watch. Now watch. This is key. Are you ready? I'm sure... That by the time Esther finished her preparation, don't you think, don't you think she got the sniff of some other guys out there? Like, whoa, ho, ho. Are you ready for this? She knew that her preparation was going to get the attention of people, but she knew that her preparation was not to get people to notice her. It was to get to the king to notice her. Oh, uh, you don't want me to preach this morning. In other words, what's your motive you, you know, e- e- even, even, um, even athletes, they have, to, uh, they have to drop some weight in order to win a prize. That's called preparation. That means athletes have to cut back on things to, to be able to win a prize. And so you have to be able to start dropping some weight and dropping it like it's hot. Not, not just physical weight. Sometimes those weights are suckers in your life that are sucking the life out of you. And sometimes they can be people. We're, we're, we're called to love everyone, but we need to identify who is sucking the life out of you. Esther knew that the reason for her preparation was going to get all the other people to look at her. But she wasn't doing it for that. The motive for, for Esther was, I want the king to see me, not everybody else to see me. Come on. You know what I love about runners is that runners, when they would run, they would prepare. But you know what they do? Anybody run in here? Anybody run? Okay, I used to run. Praise God. You could tell I'm, I'm super in shape. So, so when, when, run, when runners run, I would love this. They would run, right? right? They would run, and then do power walk, and they do this. <laughs> you know what that is? They're checking their pulse. I'm going to preach here for a second. You know why they're checking their pulse? To check if their heart's right. They run and they prepare and they constantly check their pulse. They're checking their pulse to check if their heartbeat is right. Because if their heartbeat is abnormal, they pull themselves out the race and adjust some things. Why are you in that business? Check your pulse. Why are you in that relationship? Check that pulse. Why are you in ministry? Check your pulse. Why why are you getting close to that person? Check your pulse of why you're running, why you're preparing. Every now and then, spiritually, it's good to do this. 
You know why? If you don't, you're going to think it's all about you. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? Listen, worship team, pastoral staff, anybody who's in any leadership here, every now and then you have to do this to yourself. Do I find myself complaining at night? Do I find myself gossiping? Do I find myself critical all in the name of discernment? A lot of people are critical and they're tagging discernment on it. Don't be critical. How? Listen, check your heart. That's how you prepare. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now watch this. I'm almost closing here. The process. Sometimes, listen, you know what, when it's called to, to, to athletes drop, drops, you know mountain climbers? I've never climbed a mountain, but they say that the higher you go, the less weight you need to have. Is that true? You start off with a backpack, and as soon as you get higher, there's certain even life needs that you have to just let go, right? And you have to watch, lay every weight aside that so easily entangles you or trips you up. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know what the Bible says in Hebrews? Knowing that we have such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside. Watch this, guys. Every weight. Say every weight. Not some weight. Every weight that so easily entangles you and trips you up and causes you to sin. That means the silent weights that nobody sees. The, the physical weights that everybody sees. The Bible says, identify these weights. Are you hearing me, church? You know, sometimes that weight, it may not be something that someone did to you. Sometimes it's uh, worry, anxiety. Let it go. Let, put that aside. Because you can't climb higher when you, got the, when you got the backpack of worry on your back. You can't climb higher. Even athletes have to prepare to trim down to get the prize. Come on, say amen. And I'm closing with this. Look at that next slide. The process of preparation to put God first in our lives can be difficult, but the result is more of God in our daily lives. I want to say this one last thing, uh, and then I'm going to close in the next five minutes. Have you guys ever did a, a study on how the preparation process was from grapes turning into wine? Have you guys done that? I'm going to encourage you. Look at some ancient ways, Hebraic ways of how Grapes turn into wine. I'm going, to, I'm going to help you here. This is the last point I'm going to make prophetically. Prophetically. They would take grapes, and now watch, and some, in some cases, they would put these grapes in a rock. Say rock. Rock. Say rock. Say rock. Hide me in the cleft of your rock. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. They would put grapes in a rock and they would crush it like this. So people would stomp on bare feet and they would just do this the whole time. And they would do that so that the grape juice would come out. Now watch, this is key. This is key. Some of you were never going to see this as part of preparation, but it is. In order to get good wine, you know what it had to do after the grape juice was there? Sit there and wait until it ferments. You know what fermentation means? Change. And you know how change came? By waiting in the rock in other words sometimes whew, every ounce of you wants to do something to prepare and maybe your preparation is wait upon the Lord 
and I will renew your strength. Wait, but I gotta do something. I gotta do something. No, you're so inclined to go before me. Wait, do nothing. Seek my face and wait until your heart ferments, until your mind ferments. Wait in my presence and in my word. And in the waiting, you will mount up with wings like eagles. Some of you, and I know because I'm bent to do things, the hardest thing for you, and I'm preaching to myself, is waiting, doing nothing, and then letting the Lord do surgery in you. Whoo! Some of you need to learn how to take time out of your life to wait upon the Lord. To wait upon the Lord. Say, wait. Revival comes, last slide, to those who have made room and prepared for Jesus to come. Look at me as I close. Is there room in your heart this season for more of God? Are you going to take the mandate of Luke chapter 2 and say, I don't want Jesus to come and there's no room in my inn. Are you making room for God this season in your life? Please examine. Are you, what are you doing to make some shifts and do some shifts around you so that you can make room for Jesus? What are you doing about the oil? Some of you, you need to apply all three of those aspects. Some of you just need to do one. But some of you, you need to consecrate yourself. Some of you need to in invite the process of death in your life to, to crucify some things that are alive in you that you know are not healthy for your walk with God. And some of you need to just sit in his presence until that fragrance rubs off on you. I want everyone to stand up right now. Hallelujah. Let's prepare for the king. And by the way, I don't have to tell you the story, but you found out what happened with Esther. Esther eventually became not only the queen, but the salvation of all of Israel. It was because of her preparation that she was not only encountered by the king, watch this, she was used to beckon the king to save humanity in that, in that life, in that time. What is your level of preparation? Only you and God know. Are you too busy? That's maybe you. Are, do you need to die to some things? Maybe that's you. Is there some weights that you need to let go? You know what? Today, as we, we only have about two more weeks or so before 2018 comes, let's stop making resolutions and start making revolutions in our lives. Let's start making revolutionary changes in our hearts. Come on, lift up your hands right now. This is a time that God is calling His bride for preparing herself in, in spiritually oil of myrrh where we consecrate ourselves from the world, where we die to our flesh and we hang out, haha, hang out in His presence through devotion and prayer. Come on, God is stirring you up to not just be a Christian by title. Hallelujah. He doesn't want you to be a Christian by title. He wants you to be a Christian by lifestyle. There needs to be a significant difference between when people look at you and people look at the world. It's okay if you feel you're not there, but God's, God's saying, it's okay. Lift up your voice. Give me your heart. Prepare yourself for more of me, and I will come, and I will come into your family. I will come into your room. I will come into the end of your heart. Make me Lord over everything and watch me bless you and your family. Lift up your hands right now. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.